my job on this expedition to try and find any evidence, dead or alive, to the existence of this. Welcome to the Fort Weird Podcast. My name is Heather, and Taryn, my co-host, is not with us today. We have just had the worst times ever for these past couple of weeks. I've been sick. She's had a double ear infection. She can't hear out of both of her ears. How does that happen? I don't know. I've only ever had it in one side of my ear, so... I just could not imagine not being able to hear out of both sides of my ear. That's crazy. But I was sick, and then my husband got sick, and then my son got sick, and my husband is still kind of sick, so I don't want her to bring her, her, you know, her infant son over here, because you, you know, you know, he comes over. You guys can hear him. So, you know, I just figured, I'll do this by myself. I tried to talk my husband into doing it with me. But he won't. And I don't know why. He's got such a nice voice. So I'm doing this by myself. I'm sorry if that's weird. But that's just how it's going to be. So yeah. I guess I'm going to pretend that Taryn's here. (laughs) um, My week was okay. Other than the whole being sick. I lost out on... A few days of work because you know me being sick and my son being sick it's just been a a wild ride really oh let's see here anything else going on the h&w ghost has been pretty quiet nothing's really gone on with him um hmm. i don't know i think that's about it guys i got nothing going on i bet you taryn has all sorts of stuff going on in her life but we're gonna find out next week Sorry. Alright, well, I will read you one of my weird facts. We're going to go with (laughs) this one. The yo-yo was originally used as a hunting weapon. (laughs) I can't even imagine that. How would that work? You just, what do you do? Throw the yo-yo and hopefully it hits them in the head and then it comes back? I don't get it. <laughs> oh, man. Ah! Sorry. <sighs> oh, I hope everyone had a great Valentine's Day. I completely forgot about that. Honestly, I... Oh, yeah, that was one thing. I had this great evening planned for my husband and me. And we were going to go out to dinner. The school was taking all of the kids for two and a half hours. But then... My husband gets called out to work, and it's like, okay, I guess I'll spend Valentine's Day by myself. And I went to a store, and I got myself a nice new jean jacket, which was really cool. So we didn't really celebrate Valentine's Day, but I did order him a gift. And it is a, uh, it's a, a pick punch. So you can actually take hard plastic and punch a new pick for your guitars 
out of anything. Like, it's really cool. I didn't even know they made those things. It was really cool. So I bought him that, but it didn't come in until today. So I was like, I'm just going to, like, give it to him for Valentine's Day. So because he didn't think I got him anything, he didn't get me anything. So he felt really bad. So tonight we went to Olive Garden for dinner, which was really nice because he doesn't like Olive Garden. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't understand it because I love Olive Garden. I think it's the best. I like the breadsticks. Breadsticks and the salad really make it. But my go-to is the seafood Alfredo. Because, oh, it's the best. Anyways, so that was about my Valentine's Day. I hope you guys had a great Valentine's Day yourselves. Hey, you know, my day wasn't the best. But the rest of it was. Today was great. <laughs> All right. We're going to get going on my topic today, which is about space. Space is scary. I actually got this off of Ranker. So I'm actually going to go through all the... I mean, it is. It's just space can be creepy. And we've got some really creepy things to go through. I've got about 20-so-ish things that they put together. I'm just going to go through their article. But this did come from Ranker. I love going through Ranker. It's a lot of fun for me. Whenever I'm bored at work, I kind of go through Ranker on different things. <laughs> so we're going to talk about space and how space is scary. Apparently, chunks of the Milky Way galaxy, which is where we are, we're on the Milky Way galaxy, are being sucked away. Something unidentified larger than anything in the known universe, is sucking portions of the Milky Way galaxy away. In 2009, researchers found a cluster of galaxies moving at a very, very, very fast speed towards a small patch of sky between the constellations of Centaurus and Vela? Vela? I'm going to go with Vela. Scientists have dubbed this phenomenon dark flow in reference to other cosmic mysteries such as dark matter and dark energy. <laughs> I looked this up on NASA's website just to get a better understanding of this. And boy, let me tell you, I know that I'm reading words and I understand the words. I know what these words are individually. But reading them all together, I cannot make heads or tails of any of it. Really doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to read a small part of it for you. So this came from NASA's website. The hot X-ray emitting gas within a galaxy cluster scatters photons from the cosmic microwave background... Because galaxy clusters don't precisely follow the expansion of space, the wavelengths of scattered photons change in a way that reflect each cluster's individual motion. This results in a minute shift of the microwave background's temperature in the cluster's direction. The change, which astronomers call kinematic, Zenerov Zelodovich effect, <laughs> KSC, for short, is so small that has never been observed in a single galaxy cluster. 
What? I don't, I don't, I don't know what any of that means. I don't understand it. I know their words. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Okay. So let's move on. Ugh. Ooh. This is a good one. This is a good one. Solar superstorms could cause blackouts worldwide. So in July of 2012, a coronal mass ejection, which is a solar superstorm, tore through Earth's orbit and collided with the Stereo A spacecraft. According to Daniel Baker of the University of Colorado, had the superstorm occurred one week earlier, Earth would have received the impact directly and it could have had devastating after effects. The, there actually was a solar superstorm back in 1859, was known as the Carrington event. It was a powerful geomagnetic storm which, again, was a solar coronal mass ejection that hit Earth's magnetosphere and induced the largest storm on record. And this happened September 1st to the 2nd of 1859. The white light flare in the solar photosphere was observed and recorded by British astronomers Richard C. Carrington and Richard Hodgson. Hodgson. <laughs> the storm caused strong oral displays and just wrote it just wreaked havoc with telegraph systems because obviously we didn't have phones at the time we had just gotten the telegraph systems and that just kicked everything out luckily though at that time we didn't we didn't uh depend so much on electricity Unfortunately, like nowadays, everything, we depend on everything to be, uh, to be electricity. We just, we depend on all of that. <coughs> mm. So what would happen if a solar superstorm hit Earth? Well, there would be mass power outages, completely gone. And I actually am on a site called allocation.com. Mm -hmm. So I'm going I'm to read a couple of things that what would happen if that actually happened to us. Da, 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 da. All right. So if the power goes out, a lot of people aren't going to have water people out in the country you know that have well systems most of them have a well with an electric pump so if the power is out the water's out cities will have water for a time the systems are automated and if the power is out long enough then the water will start running out all homes are electric so as soon as the lights are out there's no heat, no hot water, and you can't cook. Some places will have generators, which is good. That'll get you by for a time. 
Now, generators are going to run on either diesel fuel or gasoline. If the power is out, the gas stations can't pump gas. So once the generators run out of gas, those people are going to be in the dark as well. If you have a battery-operated radio, you might be able to get some news for a while, but if the grid goes down, you probably won't be able to get a station at all. <clears throat> Any kind of phone, especially ones that landlines, they're not going to work. They run on electricity. Obviously, they're not going to turn on. Your cell phones are going to work for a time because they won't go out immediately, obviously. You still have some battery left. The circuits are going to be so overlay, overload with panicked callers, service is going to get more and more spotty until the central switching facility finally runs out of power backup and it goes completely dead. So you're not going to have a phone. Say you're okay with not having a phone or electricity or heat. It's nice outside. It's fine. You're starting to get a little hungry. Unfortunately, your refrigerator and freezer has spoiled all the food that are in it. All right, so we'll go to the store. Well, the store has probably been closed the entire time anyways because their scanners don't work. You can't pay for it. If you could find a store that was open who would take cash, what are you going to do for money? You don't have cash on you at all times. ATM machines aren't going to be working. So hopefully they take checks. Oh. Uh, all traffic traffic lights are going to go out. Not much of a problem if you live in a city that's small enough, but if you live in a big, huge city, that's going to cause some issues. Communications for police and fire departments aren't going to go through. Obviously, your phones are down. Your internet, your internet is down. So these police are forced to rely on their car radios. But if the whole city loses power... Authorities usually close the airport so you can't get out. It, it's... <coughs> oh, everything's just going to be horrible. Mm. So you live in a city, a big city. You live in one of those modern high-rise building apartment buildings. Most of those buildings depend on electricity to keep them habitable. A lot of these high-rise buildings don't even have windows that open. Without mechanical ventilation and air conditioning, they're going to be unbearable to be in. And not to mention all those people who are now stuck in the elevators. Elevators are on electricity. You're not going to be, go be able to go up and down. Another problem in large cities is looting. It's inevitable. This is going to happen power goes out especially for a lengthy amount of time you're going to have a lot of people who are well, they're just going to loot the place they're going to go through everything so it's going to get bad guys nuclear power plants aren't going to be able to cool themselves so that's not going to be good we have a lot here in the U.S. too. How many? There's 104 nuclear power plants in the U.S. alone. That's a lot, guys. And if they aren't able to cool everything, it, it's it's going to overheat and it's going to cause explosions and fires. Oh, it's going to get bad. <coughs> so unfortunately, guys, we.
is going to be very, very bad. All right, well, let's move on from the solar superstorms. Number three, a giant black hole hurls through space at 5 million miles per hour. So, in 2017, the Hubble Space Telescope... Why? Go to bed! The Hubble Space Telescope located a black hole that is being manipulated by gravitational waves. The black hole is capable of devouring anything in its path and will eventually break free of its own galaxy and begin to roam the universe. Although the anomaly weighs as much as one billion suns and has reached speeds of roughly five million miles per hour, it is estimated to still be eight billion light years from Earth. That's a lot, so I'll be dead and gone. That's fine. <coughs> huh. Number four. Boy, I wish I had water up here. Is this water? That's not water. I don't know what that is. Hmm. Number four, the night sky will someday be completely black. As the Milky Way galaxy continues to merge with its neighboring galaxies, the view of the night sky from Earth will change dramatically. The expansion will eventually pull the galaxies apart faster than light, which will eliminate the light basically you won't be able to see anything so that's why eventually you're not going to have a night sky to look at it's going to be black oh this next one was just gross <laughs> <coughs> astronauts must drink 730 liters of recycled sweat and urine to live in space for a whole year. Blech. So in space, water, obviously, is a very limited resource. Because of this, astronauts must resort to recycling their own waste. NASA astronaut Scott Kelly consumed approximately 730 liters of recycled urine and sweat during his year-long mission. Blah. That's gross. Oh, I'm about to go through this. In 2013, a meteorite exploded over the Russian region of, oh my goodness, Chelis, oh, Ch Chelyabinsk. Chelyabinsk. Sure. <laughs> About 400 people were injured, with most injuries caused by broken glass resulting from the explosion. Conflicting reports hypothesized that the missile was either part of a meteor shower or a single meteorite. So we're also going to... What, what are some other bigger meteorites that 
hit. I was curious, so I had to look it up. Like, how often did a meteor, like a big one, come to Earth? And this was a pretty, but there's a picture of one. I'll post it. It's pretty good size. There was one in the year 1908. Uh, it happened on June 30th, 1908, over the Tungungsta River in central Siberia. <coughs> 200 square kilometers of trees were flattened. And a lot of the indigenous people who lived in the area reported that their animals were thrown into the air by a shockwave. Wow. There was also a bright flash of light that was visible in London. That's crazy. I can't... That, that is just crazy. I can't believe that would happen. So that was one of them. I, there's a whole bunch more. If you want to look at it, it's on newscientist.com. It's called Earth's Greatest Hits of the Six Biggest Meteorites in History. That's pretty cool. this one was kind of cool so again scott we're going to talk about scott kelly a lot in this astronaut scott kelly who spent a year at the international space station in 2016 returned to find that he was exactly two inches taller than his departing height <coughs> The new physical differences between Kelly and he had an identical twin brother, Mike, who was also an astronaut, were very startling. Scientists compared the DNA of the two and found that, besides growing by two inches, Kelly's gut bacteria were completely different and his gene expression had changed. Scientists concluded that the changes were caused by the stresses of space travel, which can cause changes in a cell's biological pathways so kelly did eventually return to his original height his other genetic changes are actually irreversible meaning that kelly and his brother are technically no longer identical twins <laughs> that's crazy i'm gonna pause this because i really have to go get something to drink guys um all right that's better I'm sorry. I really had to get some water in me. Alright. Onwards. Oh, this is troubling. Gamma ray bursts can destroy planets. So gamma ray bursts are giant explosions in distant galaxies that send out waves of gamma rays. These are capable of destroying entire planets if their properties are pointed directly at the planet in question. So despite such a grandiose scenario, Earth is relatively safe. Estimates from 2018 project that while a gamma ray burst will occur in the Milky Way <laughs> in the Milky Way galaxy about once every 5 million years, the radiation will most likely be distant enough that life on Earth will not be affected. Whew, so that's some good news. Hopefully, anyways. According to the Big Rip Theory, in a few billion years, 
A mysterious permeating force known as dark energy will become so powerful that it could pull every ounce of Earth's matter apart on an atomic level. Dr. Robert Caldwell at Dartmouth, he's a Dartmouth physicist, described the apocalyptic scenario in a paper written in tandem with professors from the California Institute of Technology. Now, if that article is anything like the article that NASA wrote at the very beginning of this, I'm not going to understand any of it, so I didn't even try. But basically, the universe could just literally explode. Or be ripped apart. That doesn't sound fun. <clears throat> oh, another fact that Scott Kelly helped us out with. So, during his year-long stint on the International Space Station, space travel does some interest, has some interesting effects on the body. One side effect is the deformation of an astronaut's eyeballs during extended periods in orbit, which could lead to lifelong complications. So fluid surrounding the brain can increase to the point that the eyes begin to swell and sight drastically deteriorates. Basically, space can make you nearsighted. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <clears throat> Suppose if you're already farsighted, that might help. <laughs> Alright, so there is a planet that's called Earth 2. Its real name, they're going to make me say it, Glace 581G. It is an exoplanet about 20 light years away from Earth. It's considered a prime candidate for human recolonization if Earth's resources are, you know, used up. So it's locked in orbit around a red dwarf star. On one side of the planet reaches temperatures as cold as the North Pole, while the other is excessively hot. So while there's one strip of the planet that suggests the possibility of future habitation, the sky would glow red all the time, and any plants would grow, and they they would grow, grow black because of the weakness of the sun in comparison to our own. So, I, I they they would like to try to inhabit the planet, but I don't think it's gonna work out very well. All right, there are actually sounds in space, so it's actually a very popular thought. That outer space is, it's a vacuum, so you won't be able to hear anything. But in actuality, interstellar dust is so dense in some areas that it can carry sound waves. Though these sound waves would be imperceptible to humans, it's still there. Some sounds in space may include the humming of a massive black hole, the groans of Earth as its crust shifts, and the residual sound of the universe expanding. That'd be cool. I'd like to hear something like that. Also, so not only does space, you can hear things, but space has a distinctive smell. Astronauts returning from space are generally accompanied by a distinctive scent. Uh, 
it's described as uh, sulfurous, like uh, the smell of gunpowder, seared steak, hot metal, welding fumes, a very metallic-y smell. I get that all the time at work, so maybe I just smell like I'm in outer space. <laughs> oh, this one's gross. Oh, another one. The crew members of Apollo 10 discovered that the makeup of feces combined with the diet of astronauts rendered it bouncy and pong-like. <laughs> At one point during the mission, feces was loosed from its container due to its sponginess. Ew, causing a stir among the astronauts. Ew, ew, ew. Oh, that's gross. That's nasty. In 2011, astronomers discovered numerous Jupiter-sized planets that are just free-floating. They're not anywhere close to a star. So the team hypothesized that the rogue planets were ejected from distant developing planetary systems and estimated that there may be twice as many of these free-floating worlds as there are stars. Potentially, even more numerous are free-floating planets smaller than Jupiter and Saturn because their reduced mass allows them to be more easily ejected from their systems. That's pretty crazy. Like, I always think of, you know, Star Wars and how easy it is for them to, like, go light speed. But they can't, they have to go light speed in a path that's free. They can't run into anything. So if one of these run of these, if one of these rogue planets just got in their way, <laughs> they would die. That's dark. <laughs> but it, it is something to think about. I, I mean, if, if those rogue planets are not part of a system, you never know where those guys are going to show up. They're rogue. In 2014, scientists experimented a supercritical water, a state of water that occurs when it is compressed to a pressure of 217 atmospheres and heated above 373 degrees Celsius. When mixed with organic material, it creates a liquid-like gas that creates a burning effect, though with no flame. Astronauts use supercritical water as a means to dispose of waste. Sounds awfully dangerous, though. I mean, obviously they know how to use it, I guess, but I do feel like that would be very dangerous to use. <clears throat> oh, the Earth technically resides within the sun. This was interesting. Although the sun is typically understood to be 93 million miles away from Earth, its atmosphere extends far beyond not only this planet, but even beyond Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and even Neptune. Earth resides within its heliosphere, which is the bubble-like region of space dominated by the sun. So humans are inhabitants of not just Earth, but also the sun. Ah, well, that was cool. Ugh. Oh, galaxies can eat each other. Ah, 
not only do we have to worry about everything else on here, but that galaxies can eat another galaxy. Ugh. Galactic cannibalism is a process in which a large galaxy merges with a companion galaxy through tidal gravitational interactions. This process generally results in an irregular galaxy, as evidenced by the examples of the Whirlpool Galaxy, the Mice Galaxies, and the Antennae Galaxies. Look those guys up. Interesting. Galactic cannibalism is not to be confused with galactic collision, in which galaxies collide but maintain their original shapes. That's just crazy. Ugh. Moving on. Due to time dilation, astronauts stationed in outer space lose approximately one second per week. The spin of Earth, its orbit around the sun, and the solar system's motion around the Milky Way all combine to decrease the time we experience on Earth. So though it's very, very small, this second per week dilation results in nearly a minute lost annually and more than eight and a half minutes lost each decade. So it doesn't seem like much, but you would, you would be just barely off. So obviously, zero gravity in space, but this prevents tears from flowing down the face. So instead, your tears will ball up and conglomerate around the eyeball. So you won't actually, like, cry. It'll just be, like, there. That would be very annoying. Just be there in your eyes. <laughs> this one is funny. And also because of zero gravity. While you sleep, your limbs just flail about. <laughs> Astronaut Marsha Ivins recounted the surreal experience of sleeping in orbit, as well as many other unexpected phenomena that occur when living in space. That just seems really funny to me. While you're sleeping, your arms are just going willy-nilly everywhere. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And the very, very last one. Due to the rotation of Earth, all of its inhabitants are traveling at a speed of approximately 67,000 miles per hour. In an even more impressive feat, the Earth's orbit around the sun adds another 490,000 miles per hour to Earthling's overall speed. We're fast. <laughs> uh, well that is it that's all I've got guys sorry that I'm all weird by myself <laughs> I've never done this before and I feel very weird doing this by myself I'm, I'm sorry uh, but I am going to read you one of Taryn's jokes uh, maybe if I can find a good one um no. No. 
<laughs> this one's good. <laughs> I can't stand Russian dolls. They're so full of themselves. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I make myself laugh. What can I say? <laughs> All right, guys. I'm again. I apologize that Taryn wasn't here and that I just I feel weird. I feel really weird right now. I'm doing this all by myself, but I had to put something out. I can't go by for two whole weeks not releasing anything. I apologize for not releasing something last week, but I just, I couldn't. I couldn't. I was too, I was sick. It just wasn't going to happen. But if you want to give us a shout out or, you know, talk to us in any kind of way, you can get us on any of the social media platforms we're on facebook instagram twitter at fort weird pod you can send us a message you can send me an email it's heather at fort weird podcast.com so you have to do the podcast the whole thing <laughs> and yeah just give us a shout let us you know talk to us pretty cool and if you could rate and review us on itunes or any of your other podcasting apps that would be fantastic and that's it, guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. Next week, Taryn will be back, and hopefully we'll be talking about some really cool things in, in Fort Wayne. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Well, I'll see you next week. Bye, guys. The existence of this. <laughs>